um, I think we were all amazed at uh, the first one and the second one. And for those of you that are, are here for the first time, you will truly enjoy this day and a half together. Our topic tonight is dedicated discipleship. And our keynote speakers are presenters who have a, um, a wonderful history and I know a wonderful message to share with us. So I'm sure that you're as excited as I am to begin this event. And I want to do that, I want to introduce to you our Mr. Hospitality, also known as Father Mark McCormick. Uh, it's good to uh, be with you uh, uh, tonight, uh, tomorrow. Again, welcome uh, to the Summit 2017. Uh, is Deacon Jim Sheeran here? Deacon Jim, would you come up for a second? Come here. Would you just come up for a second? Would you kind of help me out? So, uh, Father Jim... So Deacon Jim was saying to me uh, that uh, he said I didn't have enough swag uh, when we were welcoming people, and so he was kind of show us uh, how it's done. Was that enough swag? <laughs> so again, on behalf of the Office of Stewardship and Vocations, again, Father Mark, and I wanted to introduce uh, my administrative assistant, Shauna Hansen. She does an incredible job uh, in the office as well. It's always good to have uh, our shepherd with us, Bishop Bruce. Uh, he's giving uh, three uh, presentations uh, tomorrow and be uh, preaching and presiding at Mass. He'll be talking about gracious uh, uh, giving. Um, stewardship is also uh, giving of our, not only of our, of our heart, uh, but our treasures uh, as well. He'll be talking about how do we pay attention to the, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and then celebrating the Eucharist, a true encounter or an event to attend. And so it's great that Bishop Bruce could be with us tonight and an all day uh, tomorrow. So let's give it up for our, our shepherd. And in your bag, if you would just pull out your stewardship prayer again. It, it's interesting when Bishop uh, Bruce, when he led our evening meal prayer together, he said, uh, anybody familiar with this prayer? And I heard two or three people say, yeah, I prayed it this morning. Uh, that's good news, right? Uh, and so Father Brett Brennan, who has did a piece on vocations last year, he said, out of, uh, out, of, out of sight, out of mind. And so this is just a great prayer. I just ask you to, to pray it daily, um, yourself, your family. And then pray it uh, uh, also on behalf of your parish, on behalf of the diocese that we might truly live and become uh, a steward because it is uh, the way of life. And so let us pray this prayer of a faithful steward together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Most generous.
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, our, our theme uh, this year uh, comes, is called um, uh, Learning uh, to Drop uh, the Net. And I just wanted to, to read uh, uh, the scripture passage uh, uh, from uh, Matthew uh, chapter 4, verses 18 to 22. We get this sense of what it means uh, to drop the net. As they walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, uh, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. They were fishermen. He said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. So we're focusing on this conference on discipleship, but through the lens of dropping the nets, and I just want Holly to put up this painting. Some of you might not be able to see it, but in front, it's right here. I've been really struck by this painting uh, about a year now. I was uh, uh, working with a young high school kid or a college kid uh, who was an art major. And we kind of have uh, started up a, a friendship uh, with one another. We uh, have good conversations and pray with one another. Uh, and one time he asked me, Father, have you ever, uh, do you like art? I said, yeah, I, I like art. And he said, uh, how about Van Gogh? I said, yeah, and he said, uh, have you ever heard of First Steps? He said, ah, I'm not familiar with that painting. And, and he pulled it up, and he showed it to me. And then he begins to tell the story about his childhood, right? Uh, he, um, he still suffers from a, a father wound, right? He still suffers from the father wound. And, and you and I, at times, we have wounds within our own lives. And he said, you know, I, I love this painting because I imagine that's, the way I want my father to be, right? My father really never dropped anything, right? Never came to my games, uh, never came to my plays, never embraced me. I never heard him say, I, I love you. And so he's still carrying this wound. And I love this image because here you have an image of a father, right? Who drops everything at that moment, to embrace his young child. And you and I, if we want to be these stewards, if we want to be these disciples, then we have to learn to drop the nets. We have to learn to drop those things in our lives that get us in the way of being true disciples of Jesus Christ. And we have a lot of nets that we need to drop. I was just so moved, even when I do men's retreats, I usually start with this image <laughs> with men. <laughs> Tell me what you see. I sure don't see the father I grew up with. Ah. Ah. And as they talk about their own fatherhood and how they're, they're called to be these fathers that are able to reach out to their children to embrace them, to, to drop whatever they're doing, to say, hey, I was thinking about you today. How are you doing? And so sometimes we have resentment in our lives, we have bitterness, we have jealousy, we have anger, 
There's a lot of things in our lives that if we don't drop as disciples, as stewards of Christ, that we really won't know what Jesus has in store for us. You and I have been made for more. And more will be given to us. And so as we gather today, just think of, of this image. Or, or the disciples, that they left their nets, they left everything behind, right? What are those things in our lives that we need to leave behind that get in our way of following Jesus Christ? Inviting Him deeper into our lives and into our hearts. It's a powerful image of dropping the net. What is your net that you need to drop tonight, tomorrow, so that you're able to hear this call to stewardship, that you're able to hear this call to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? Some of you heard of Sherry Waddell, uh, a great author. She wrote a, a, a great book that a lot of people have been reading lately, last three or four years called Intentional Discipleships, The Path to Knowing and Following Jesus Christ. She's also uh, wrote several other books. One is a, a good book as well, uh, Becoming uh, Parishes of Intentional Disciples. And her last book she uh, wrote, this came out recently, Fruitful, Fruitful Disciples. And I think I bought all these books at our wonderful Catholic bookstore, Mustard Seed, you know. And I keep uh, telling Marsha, I wish you would team up with uh, Dunn Brothers. <laughs> right? So you can read a little bit, have a cup of coffee, this great place of, of conversation and faith, right? Uh, so, uh, but Sherry Waddell uh, talks about the decision to drop one nets. It, it's a conscious decision. It's, it's intentional. Uh, a commitment to follow Jesus Christ in the midst of the church. To be an intentional disciple means that we are obedient. You know, obedient comes from the word obediare, which means to listen. We're called to listen to Christ. If we never hear his word, it's hard to listen to him. If we never spend time before him in the Blessed Sacrament, it's hard to hear his voice. She says that once you drop your net, then you begin to reorder your life towards Christ. As Paul says in Galatians 2, it is no longer I who lives, but it is Christ who lives within me. Oh, I long for that. I don't know about you, right? I, I keep getting in the way. I gotta keep dropping those nets, right? Seems, it seems like I drop the same net over and over again, right? But once you commit to Christ, your life changes. And your life begins to be reordered, reorientated towards Him. She says, all of us must learn to drop our nets as the first disciples and make an intentional choice to follow the Lord. And she says, a great way to do this is have conversations with one another. So I want you to turn to the person next to you. Can you describe your relationship with God at this point in your life? Just turn to one another, just for a couple minutes. Describe your relationship with God at this moment in time. I'll just give you a few moments, and then uh, when the chatter stops, I'll kind of lead you to one more question. You know, when we were World Youth Day uh, in, um, last uh, two, two Augusts ago, um, a year ago, whenever the heck it was, <laughs> in Poland, right? And some of you hear me, because this is my favorite quote, right? And it, 
It, I, I heard somewhere it takes 21 times to finally let it sit in your, your mind and heart. So if you heard it okay already, it's all right, right? Pope Francis, right, that the Easter Vigil says that the Lord Jesus Christ is not the Lord of comfort and ease, but he is the Lord of risks. He is the Lord of eternal more, right? He's the Lord of risk. And some of you might not know one another too well, but as disciples, as stewardships, uh, stewards, stewards, we're always called to take that risk. And so the next question uh, that Waddell talks about, about in being uh, intentional disciples of dropping the net, she, she says, you know, what is your story, right? What is your story of Christian faith? And so if you're willing to take a risk, if you're willing to step up a bit, right, um, just share with that person what was one, what was one up in your, in your level of discipleship? You know, when you encountered the presence of Jesus, and then maybe what was the one low point in your story of faith, right? Because it always seems like we go two steps forward, right, and sometimes three steps back, right? So, so just pick one moment in which you encountered the presence of the Lord. You had no doubt that he spoke to your heart. And then maybe one moment where it's just like, ah, ah. So if you're up for the risk, I ask you to just to take a couple more minutes to, to share that last part of that question. And then I'll just kind of bring you back. You have a lot of time this week and breaks to continue to uh, share um, these two questions. Faith is not inherited, right? At some point in time, we must make a conscious decision to place Jesus Christ at the center of our lives, at the center of our hearts. We have to make a conscious decision to follow Christ. It's, we can't simply live our faith in which we have inherited from our parents. It has to become ours. It has to become real, it has to become true, which, which takes a lot of time and energy, a lot of hard work, a lot of suffering, a lot of dropping nets over and over again. But if we continue to drop our nets, those things that get in, get in the way of following Jesus, we, there will be a tremendous joy that we will experience in our own heart, right? And I love our mission statement, right? We the disciples the Diocese of Rapid City, empowered by the, Holy, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are called to form, and, uh, to, to form, uh, attract intentional disciples who joyfully, boldly, lovingly proclaim and live the mission of Jesus Christ to eternal life. Right? We do that joyfully. We do it boldly. We do it lovingly. And we do it in the power of the Spirit. When I was in, in Piedmont, um, a number of years ago, uh, we, we, we did mission trips. And one of the trips we went on was we did a trip to, to Guatemala. We went to a place called San Lucas Toliman. And we took a, kind of an intergenerational trip. And there was a, a young senior uh, who was a great Legion baseball player. And uh, when he went to his coach to say, you know, I, I want to go to Guatemala for 10, 12 days. And the coach says, um, I don't think that's a good idea. Right? I, I need you. You're, you're, you're one of the, the better players. You're my, my starter. You know, you're having a heck of a season. Kind of lukewarm about the whole idea. 
He said, you could play, you can go to Guatemala anytime, you can't always play baseball. But this young man, he followed his heart and he went to Guatemala. And he was in a place where Father Stanley Rother was just uh, martyred back in Ju uh, July 28, 1981. And we, we went to the, the church where he was martyred. Right, Stanley Rother is a priest from Oklahoma City, a farm boy, uh, who had several tribes at the seminary, right? Kind of like St. John Vianney, right? Remember what, they said of, what the devil said of St. John Vianney? He said, if there were three or four more priests like you, my kingdom would end. <laughs> uh, right? He's still waiting for us as priests to step up to the plates like Vianney, to inspire us, to be all in. And when Father Stan uh, failed seminary because he couldn't get Latin down, his fifth grade teacher, Sister Claretta, uh, wrote him a letter and said, Father, or Stan, don't give up. Think about St. John Vianney. He, he too struggled like you. But he, he was a great saint. Have him intercede for you. And so he went back to the seminary. Right? John the 23rd asked bishops, North American bishops of the United States to send priests to Central America to start missions. And so Stanley Rother went to Emmitsburg Seminary in Maryland, the same seminary that Father Sorensen went to and Father Lane and uh, Father Kerry Prendeville and a number of other of our priests. Um, and when he was ordained, he said, I, I want to go. He spent over 13 years there, left in the late 70s, early 80s. And during the uh, 80s, there was um, a civil war, a, a military government. And, and Father Stan, who couldn't pass Latin, ended up translating um, the New Testament into uh, one of the Mayan dialects so that his people could hear the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. He started a school. He started a hospital. He started a radio station. And in the end, he was put on a death list. The government didn't like him speaking the truth. <laughs> they, they wanted to repress the people. That's the beauty of our Catholic faith. Is that leads to freedom. That leads to truth. That leads to Christ. The way, the truth, and the life. So his bishop called him home. And he was home for two months. And then he wrote a beautiful letter. And at, towards the end of the letter he said, uh, shepherds don't run from their people. Shepherds don't run with the first sign of trouble. So he goes back to spend Holy Week. And then in July, uh, three masked men uh, ended up uh, uh, murdering him. The, the way they usually, uh, to try to silence the people, they would gouge out their eyes, they would, they would cut their, the skin of the face off, they would burn them. Um, and Father Stanley, he would go to the ditches, and he would find some of his prisoners who had been abducted and killed, and he would bring them back to the parish. And he would give each one of them a funeral, whether Catholic or not. The dignity of the human body that speaks about truth and dignity of Christ. And this young high school kid, right? He was in the room where Father Stanley was murdered. And there was still blood splattered all over the wall. And he sat there with his hands on it for a long time, right? And all of a sudden, all the kids, they went to the marketplace to buy trinkets, right? To barter, right? But not this kid. I, I couldn't get him out of the room. He said something, Father, I, I feel this tremendous peace, this tremendous joy. Something's happened to me. And I kind of lost track of this kid. 
I saw him about a month ago. Uh, here at a wedding at Terrasante, I said, what have you been doing? He said, well, I'm a doctor now, Father. And I just got back from Guatemala. And then he tells this incredible experience of this lady coming, um, uh, her son coming to the clinic, but she couldn't come because um, uh, her hip was, was messed up. And so this young doctor said, you take her to me. And they walked to her house. And the first thing he did was he prayed with them out loud, calling on Jesus, the divine physician. And then they prayed over him at the same time in their language. He said it was amazing, Father, right? I didn't know what the heck were they saying. They don't know what I was saying. But you know God's presence was right there, right? It was just this beautiful encounter. Here you have a young man who counters in a very real way the presence of Jesus Christ as a high school senior. And he will never forget about this experience. So much that he goes back to the place in which he encountered the living Christ. He felt peace. He felt joy. He felt truth. He felt life. When we started our stewardship initiative, Bishop Bruce asked uh, every priest, every parish council, every Catholic daughters, every Knights of Columbus, every youth formation, every catechist, to read this book. I, I'm not sure how well we've done with it, to be honest, right? But, but it, it's a foundational document for us. It, it's 25 years old. And I think we need to go back to this document over and over again because it lays the foundation of what it means to be a steward and a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just want to um, uh, uh, read just uh, one part uh, here. So. Who is a Christian disciple? A Christian disciple is one who responds to Christ's call, follows Jesus, and shapes his or her life in the imitation of Christ. So to do that, you have to drop the net. You, you have to follow him. You, you have to imitate him. It is no longer I who lives, but it is Christ Jesus who lives and breathes in me. And then the, who is a Christian steward? One who receives God's gifts gratefully cherishes, tends them in a responsible and accountable manner, stares them in justice with love with others, and returns them to the Lord. I think that's this young high school kid, right? That he encounters the Lord, right? He's nurturing this gift of intellect that he's been given. The gift to, to love his brother, his love, his sister, to, to go to Guatemala uh, uh, to do that. I think he's going to go every year. And then, and then uh, uh, Bishop, and I'm not sure how, how we're doing this well in the diocese as well, right? I, have you seen this document before? I, I hope, right? It's the Bishop's document uh, on uh, through him, with him, and in him. Uh, it's kind of the spiritual plan that will help us to implement uh, uh, our pastoral priority plan. And in that, stewardship is the second core value. There's six of them. And our core value of stewardship is defined as this, that we will live our lives as Catholics through generous hospitality, which is an invitation, a fellowship, right, a communion, a lively faith, which is prayer, study, formation, you know, that the spiritual peace, the intellectual peace, the human formation peace, uh, 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 the pastoral peace, and then to love God, and then that dedicated discipleship, uh, um, uh, to love God with our whole mind, heart, and soul. 
And stewardship, Bishop says, is not an option. It is mandated by the gospel. In church, there are no volunteers. How many of you heard Bishop say that before? Right? <laughs> he always says that. The church, there is no volunteers. There's only disciples. And so volunteering is, is not really practicing stewardship or discipleship because stewardship, you could be a volunteer and not give your life to Christ. But there's something happens as a disciple uh, when, you, when you offer your life uh, to Christ. And I love this uh, reading uh, from 2 Corinthians. Um, Do I make my plans like a worldly man, ready to say yes and no at once? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we preach among you, Salvinus and Timothy, and yet I w it was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. For the promise of God find their yes in him. This is why we utter the amen through him to the glory of God. But it is God who establishes us through you in Christ. He has commissioned us. He has helped us. He has put his seal and given us the spirit in our hearts. And so you and I are called to say yes, right? A volunteer has a, a choice to say no at times, right? But a disciple is, is, is called uh, to say yes uh, in the Lord. I, I love this image of uh, Michelle uh, Van Loon. She's call, she says, calling members of the body of Christ volunteers communicates a 100-calorie snack pack. <laughs> the version of an all-compassing call to disciple of Jesus Christ. There's something more, more, more than simply being a volunteer because it's, it's connected uh, to the Lord. And again, uh, in this document, again, it's, the stewardship is fundamentally uh, the work of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, we're called to foster uh, the power uh, of the Spirit uh, in, our, in our lives. Bishop Group says, when we enter deeply into prayer, uh, then that forms our hearts as disciples uh, of Christ. Um, called to be these uh, missionary uh, disciples uh, of the Lord. Just two more things. I just want to bring it back to what, uh, the, off what the office of our... Our stewardship is do doing, before I, I turn it over to uh, Father uh, 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 Tony, um, uh, who will speak with us tonight. Um, part of the Office of Stewardship, uh, we came up with these characteristics of a stewardship parish. And part of the, the, the pastoral plan, our, our goal is to establish five to ten stewardship parishes in our diocese. And so this pastoral plan, characteristics of a stewardship parish will help you to do that. Our Lady of the Black Hills and uh, Ambrose and, and, um, and Leed and, and Deadwood, uh, St. Patrick's, have kind of piloted for us. And so part of this, there's four uh, phases, kind of this uh, foundational ministry piece. Um, and then it moves into being a hospitable parish, and then a lively parish, and then in the end, a stewardship parish. And there's kind of four tiers with this. And this, there's a survey that kind of helps to set a baseline so you kind of know where you're at in these four different levels. And Shauna and I, our office, will kind of help you to work uh, through that. I know there's copies of this uh, at, our, at our table uh, in, in the back as well. And just the last thing uh, that we're, um, we're moving along with uh, the witness testimony uh, program, uh, but it's kind of limping a bit, so we just we're trying to give it uh, uh, some more energy as well, where we send in those.
to give testimony, uh, to witness their faith in these areas of lively faith, um, um, generous hospitality, and dedicated uh, a discipleship. And then from there, I'm going uh, to have Chris Stewart stand. Chris is, isn't talking tonight, uh, but he'll uh, talk uh, tomorrow uh, on stewardship. And then uh, uh, Tony is here tonight, and he'll do the first presentation. Uh, both these guys are from uh, the Diocese of Wichita, Kansas. They've been good friends uh, a, a lot of years. They've taught in high school and are national speakers on the area of making disciple uh, stewardship, really calling to live uh, uh, this life of Christ. Both are married, uh, have a, a number of children, really love the Lord. I saw them in Atlanta a couple of weeks ago. I, I know you'll enjoy them. So, uh, Tony, I invite you forward. <laughs> 